Hello, I'm the School of Bali Podcast. I am your host, Akino Davis, and I'm happy to share with you my life experiences as a husband, father, professional, and entrepreneur. Join me on this journey as we explore and relate these experiences that have shaped me and that may influence you. Get your notepad and your snacks at the journey. So guys, hello and welcome to episode 6. In today's episode, I am featuring an interview that was done for commemorating International Men's Day. In this episode, we discuss men and grief. So without further ado, I want to take you to this interview that was done with the Rosemary Pacheco Cancer Foundation. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I hope that you all are doing well and keeping safe. So today I have with me Mr. Aquino Davis. Hi, hi Aquino. Hi, Ayana. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I could always be better, but I'm fine. Nice. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yes, the pleasure is mine. I am so looking forward to our discussion. We would have celebrated International Men's Day yesterday. So let me say happy International Men's Day to you and to all the men, especially my daddy and my brothers. And, you know, like, you know, I said rather than posting something just to say happy International Men's Day, I thought of you and I said, you know, it would be nice if Akino and I could do a discussion because we share something in common. We both lost our mom to cancer. So I'm looking forward to our discussion here today. Yes, um, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to share with you. And I hope that what I share would impact somebody. Nice. So, Akino, before we get into our discussion, so I know you have quite an extensive, long resume, but <laughs> could you just give us a brief inter- introduction of who is Akino? Well, I'll start by saying my age. I'm 41 years old. I'm a relatively young man. I am a husband, a father. I am a professional in uh, the construction um, operations industry. Um, I consider myself a good farmer. I love farming and I am a business owner as well. And that's just a summary. Um, as you say, it might be a little bit extensive to go into details, but that's who I am in a nutshell. Yes, trust me, guys, that is just a brief summary of Aquino's background and resume, okay? All right, so Akino, let's get into it, right? So Akino, I know you would have shared with me some time ago of your mom passing from cancer. So I just want to ask you if you can share a bit of that story, um, whatever you feel comfortable sharing as it relates to your mom's journey and then passing with cancer. Okay, so my memory of any kind of illness with my mom or any kind of odd feelings with her goes back to 1997-1998 thereabout. I remember we were living in Long Circular St. James at the time and we moved to Takarigo in the east 
And it was only after moving there, not too long after, my mom started um, saying to us, you know, jokingly and not seriously, that she felt like something was moving in her stomach. She'd always say, feeling like there's a lizard in my stomach, you know, and we would all laugh it off, choke it off. She never took it serious, you know, never was to visit a doctor, you know, she would refer to to her own um her own bush medications, you know, those mm. traditional those school remedies, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so she never took it serious, but from time to time, from 1997 onwards, she kept complaining about this thing in her stomach, this thing in her stomach. And in between there, my mother eventually migrated. Oh, she was originally from St. Vincent. So she was able to move back to St. Vincent. We were all big, big children now. And she moved back. So there was some disconnect in, in that kind of intimate communication with her. But when she would return and when she would come back and spend time with us, she'd always be complaining about feeling this thing in her stomach. And it wasn't until 2009, 2009, that we started seeing physical signs of changing her. Something was wrong. She lost a lot of weeds. Uh, and we, you know, originally she had a doctor's stress because of her own personal life, but it started to manifest itself physically. So we observed the marked difference in her, in her physiology. And then she started feeling, now we could see actual signs of illness. She started to feel sick, throwing up frequently. And when she eat, she couldn't keep down the food. Her body started to change, her stomach started to rise. And at that time, when I say we, I mean my, my sisters and my brothers and my brothers, um, they began taking her to doctors. They began taking her to doctors. Um, by the time we got a diagnosis in early 2010, um, we, it, she was already stage four cancer. You know, it was far beyond anything that we could have treated then. It was beyond treatment. So then it just became a matter of, of um, trying to give her a good quality of life, a good, you know, comforts at that stage because we really couldn't do anything medically at that stage. Having waited so long, she waited so long to go to a doctor to get a diagnosis. By the time the diagnosis came, it was far beyond anything we could do. So I can remember I didn't see my mom. I didn't speak to her between February and Mother's Day in 2010. And when I saw my mom on Mother's Day 2010, what I saw was that was so tra tra traumatizing to me. I couldn't believe that was my mom in those um, few months that I didn't see her between February and me. And by that time, by between me now, Mother's Day and, and July, she passed away. It was quick. It, you know, there wasn't any time really to to, you know, to, to really close, you know, have any kind of closure. It was really sudden. But I remember during that period between me and, and July, I had the, the opportunity to take her into my home with my wife and and she had spent about a week or a week and a half with us. And 
that was probably the only time that I really had to bond with her during that time. And even when she died, because she ended up having to be, um, she ended up having to go to hospital. So she passed in the hospital, in the, the Seventh-day Adventist Community Hospital. And I recall the, the night before she, she passed, the evening before she passed, I was the last, last, of, last person to see her, the family. Um, and I remember when I went to, to visit with her, she, she asked me to, to pray with her. And I did pray with her and I started to, to rub the top of her head. And she, you know, she said um, to rub her head because she was, it was so tender. She said, you know, don't, don't um, touch her. She was, you know, slightest touch was, was painful to her. And I remember she telling me, she gave me, you know, one last bit of, a motherly counsel, I guess, and you know, her advice to me was um, don't fight your brother and your sisters for anything. Live good with them, be good with them, whatever. I leave behind, you walk away from it, you you will get yours, I know. And that was it, you know, and I left the hospital that evening about 7 p.m. And I called, I remember calling my older sister. She is now past two, but I remember calling my older sister and telling her, I said, um, this is it, you know, mommy not going to last through the night. And, you know, she was distraught and she, you know, why I could, why I would see such a thing, but I knew what I saw. And the fact that she had asked me to pray with her, I, I saw her, I saw her, like, give herself then. Like, you know, it was like, I had enough, you know. So I called my sister, I told her, I said, prepare yourself, mommy not going to last through the night. And, you know, she was a little distraught and, she, she didn't like me saying that, but it, it, in my, I, because of my own experiences with, with losing people, I, I was sort of prepared for it too, you know? And that was at 7 o'clock the evening, and by the 3 o'clock the morning, the hospital called and said that she had passed. So that was, you know, what that is my experience. Uh, my, my looking through the lens of my statement, say, might have a different view, but that was how I, how I saw the journey of her. Wow, you know, I didn't realize like you know that our stories have so much similarities, right? Um, I was aware of your mom being passed away from cancer, as you would have told me, but listening to this story, I realized that there's some similarities. So, I mean, I want I want to go back a little, right? Because we want to be talking about cancer as well as we want to share some light on International Men's Day. So, I want to go back a little. Tell me, um, how did you cope? with that news when you when you found out that your mom was diagnosed with cancer? Well, a part of me, a part of me was distraught, but I have never been, I have never been able to, I had to say it like that, I've never been able to visibly show distress. So the worst will be going on with me and you will never know. Right? I don't know if, if it's a weakness or if it's a strength, but the worst will be going on with me internally, and I will never really manifest that um, outwardly. I, growing up, my mom always used to stress to us that nobody had to know your issues, carry yourself in a particular way. Nobody must be able to look at you and judge you this kind of way, you know, um, because we came from very humble beginnings. So we were always taught to carry ourselves well, just a particular way, have a particular disposition. So... For me, I don't know if I took that 
I took that real seriously throughout my life. But, you know, I would walk around with the biggest smile on my face and nobody would know the hell that I was going through. So when I found out about, so when I, we got the, the um, diagnosis, it was distressing to me, but I was not able to express it outwardly. Not even in my quiet times, I would find moments to cry or anything like that. I can't recall crying or anything. So, and when I say from my own experience, I had suffered serious trauma in my life before, having been married and losing uh, my wife and my son, both of them passing away. I sort of developed a way to cope with bad news, a way to cope with, with trauma. So when my mom was diagnosed, um, it was distressing, yes, but I wasn't able to, to express it, you know. So I carried around this this baggage with me for a very long time before I actually um, found a means to cope or found a means to express it. You know, okay, you know, it is sad when it comes to men, it's very difficult to get men to open up and to express their feelings. I can remember when we found out that my mom was diagnosed with cancer and my brother, he would tell his story at his time. But my brother is a soldier by profession and a soldier in everything that he does, right? If you say you're walking from here to down the road, he'll give you a security briefing, right? That's just yeah. the protector in the family. Yeah. And on that day, when we were in the doctor's office and we got that news, he had to leave. He jumped in his vehicle and he had to leave to go and process what the doctor just said. And again, as, as I said, he would tell his story when he's ready. But you know, they said it's often, it's very difficult to get men to open up and to express. So I understand when you said because of your upbringing, because my mom was like that, so whatever, you know, goes on in the home, that stays in the home. But when you go out there to face the world, you put on your survivor face, you put on a smile on your face and you do what you have to do. Yeah. But I, you know, I think my question is, I don't think it's safe it's healthy, rather, for men to have all that feelings and emotions inside. Because Absolutely my concern would be, what happens one day when you all um, can't take it anymore and you have all of this inside of you? Anna, that is that is absolutely right. You know, um, it is not healthy, as I have learned. It's not healthy and it's not safe. It's not safe for the people around you. Because what you have happening is this bottling, this pressure cooker kind of effect brewing inside of you as a man. Yeah. Right? And pressure has to find an, an outlet. Some people put it through their talents. Um, but not all people, all men have that mechanism or have the maturity, the understanding to channel the, those sort of emotions in a positive way. So you have um, manifestations of it in, in abuse, and not only abuse of, of women, but abuse of children. It, it's a cycle that, that takes on, you know, a perpetual kind of life cycle. It's not healthy at all, um, even for your mental health. Yeah, it's, it's 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 not healthy because you walk around looking well, looking fine, but you're having nervous breakdowns inside the, inside your mind, you know. Um, and all it could take is one trigger for you to explode and express yourself in a way that 
is not fair to people who are around you. So you're right, um, it's, it's challenging. And as men, we in this Caribbean, we have been taught to, to our culture to be strong, be tough. Yeah. You're crying for, as soon as you cry, you, you want to, you know, clout you across the head or something. You know, don't cry, push him out. You know, and for me, because of my own experiences, I have a, a four-year-old son now, and I try every day to tell him that I love him. You know, and I try every day to hug him. I didn't experience that growing up. So I I don't know what it was to feel stressed or to feel hurt and have somebody to come and soothe me. So I try to do that every single day. I tell him I love him. I tell him, you know, when he cries, I try not to suppress him from crying because I want him to express himself. You know, um, so I mean we had to start to at least break that cycle, but it's a very serious thing when it comes to men and their emotions. And it's something that I I'm passionate about now having a son. I am, um, and the kind of trauma and hurts that I have gone through in my life, I don't want to repeat that kind of cycle for him. I want him to understand that it's okay to cry. Yes, you're a boy, but it's okay to cry. And it doesn't make you uh, feminine because you're crying. It actually, I think it makes you stronger because you're able to express a strong man, in my opinion, is a crying man. If you could cry, I see her as a strong man, you know, so that's how I, I would put that. Wow. So, like, you know, as you were speaking, right, I have to ask you, what can we as women, who are your sisters, your friends, your mother, how could we help you all, as, I know this is in your opinion, right, how yeah. can we assist in creating an environment or creating a safe place where you guys as men can feel free to express your emotions. So we just talk about the loss of your mom. If I'm your sister in a situation like that, how can I help you through that grieving process? Well, I'll, I'll take it from from two parts. Yeah. Right? Because you use the word sister and I want to dissect that word. Right? So if you're my sister and sister sibling, yeah you will be going through your thing too mm. so uh, in that situation you want to draw closer to your sibling you know you want to be there you want to be supportive you don't want to smother them because they have their own feelings and stuff to go through so you want to be there and you want to be supportive yeah. and you want them to be supportive to you too the thing is when you go through trauma you have an expectancy such a huge expectancy Right, and that expectancy it sometimes might seem unreasonable to the people around you, mm. right? And they don't know how to respond to that expectancy for comfort and for counseling and for guidance. So sometimes it's difficult. So all you really need, as and as you, the answer is in your question. All you really need is space, as a safe space, to be able to to vent and express and to cry and to grieve what you really need is a safe space and if you're talking about sisters in um a friend yeah. somebody you know your spouse even a sister in that aspect what you really need is understanding mm. right? somebody who have empathy strong empathy for what you're going through right um empathy is, is a big part of it not everybody might might 
have had that experience, but to be able to connect with you and to appreciate what you're going through. It can be selfish because, as I say, when you're grieving, you're needy. Mm. You, need, you need support. You need love. You need comfort. You need somebody to serve you because you don't have all your faculties together to serve yourself. So what you really need is somebody who has that deep empathy for what you're going through and who can provide a safe space for you to express and to vent and to, to go through what you're going through. But I think in addition to in addition to all that you just said, it's important for men to also support men. Of course, absolutely. And you see the problem with that, eh? absolutely. I 100% I agree with that. Yeah. But the problem with that is that in our culture, in our environment, the men don't know how to do it. Mm. They were never taught how to do it. And unless you come from a home where that has not been the culture, or an environment where that has not been the culture, you won't know. Because I could tell you, my friendships changed during my periods of trauma. Right, because the guys I used to hang out with, I quickly realized they couldn't help me. They couldn't identify with what I was going through, and they couldn't help me. So I had to now change my friendships, and not in looking for more friends, but actually I, I lost friends. Because I couldn't identify, they couldn't identify with what I was going through. It was just like, you know, take a bounce, shake it off, yeah, brethren, that kind of thing, and... It was not deep understanding of what I was going through. So men are at a disadvantage emotionally. The black man in particular, because he has a different culture, he has a different upbringing, he has a different um, creation. So he doesn't know that, that, that empathy. It's not in his DNA. It's not in his DNA. It takes a conscious understanding of where, where you are, it's a conscious understanding of how you've been cultured and a conscious uh, um, effort to reverse that. So there, there has to be a there need, there is a requirement for a lot of work um, emotionally yeah. with how they support each other. We need training. I'm actually thinking that uh, there's so much work to be done in this area. So, like, you know, even as we come to the end of our discussion, what advice would you give to men as it, when it relates to expression, expressing their emotions, taking care of their health, um, asking for help? What advice would you give to men? Well, firstly, I would say that um, for our men folk, that there's nothing wrong with expressing emotions. Mm. Right? That's the first thing I'd like to say. There's absolutely nothing wrong with crying, shedding some tears. There's nothing wrong with showing the softer side of you. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you less responsible. It doesn't make you soft in the eyes of your children or in the eyes of your spouse. A crying man, in my opinion, is a strong man. So there's nothing wrong with hurting and showing that hurt. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the first thing I want to leave with, with men for. There's nothing wrong with that. Secondly, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah. If you feel vulnerable, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Because we can't, we can't do it on our own. 
Yeah. If we don't understand firstly what we're dealing with, how are we expected to solve it? So there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And asking for help is not about weakness, mm. right? It's about understanding and appreciating that I can't do this alone. Yeah. And oftentimes in life, there are very few things that you will discover that you could actually do alone. Very, very few things, right? You might be able to do a chore or do a task by yourself, but when it comes to the macro things, you're part of a bigger system. Mm-hmm. And your emotions is probably the biggest of all those systems. You need help. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. So there's nothing wrong with feeling vulnerable, crying, expressing yourself. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. And I just want to encourage them to, to, you know, don't allow things to bottle up inside of you to the extent where you feel like you have to explode. When you reach that stage, you're far gone. When you reach that stage, it's probably too late. Yeah. You know, you find yourself lashing out at the people closest to you. And by then it's too late. So I want to encourage you guys, you know, um, to seek counsel. It doesn't have to be at any kind of paid counsel, you know. It don't need to be that. It could just be reaching out to somebody, find somebody you can trust, you know, cultivate a, a friendship with somebody who you can trust. It could be an elder, it could be a co-worker, it could be a member of your family, it could be a spouse. You should start there first because that person is around you most of the time. They understand you to a great extent, you know, and you ought to feel safe to trust them. Amen. Thank you so much, Akino. I feel like there's so much more that we could say on this topic. But Akino, I want to thank you so much for just being here with me today and having this very brief discussion. As I said, there's much work to be done in this area. So I would want to direct people to a project that you are working on. So could you tell us about that before we leave? Yes. So thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I... As I mentioned earlier in this interview, I had experience of the trauma of losing my wife and my son. And subsequent to that, my mom passed away, as we discussed here. And my sister also passed away. And I have other relatives in between them and the grandfather and niece who have also passed away. So I have had a, an experience of losing people closest to me over a 16-year period. And I was able to write a book about it and publish it. But five weeks ago, I got a release to do a podcast. You know, I got a release in my spirit to do a podcast and I started that podcast. That podcast is called To The Valley Podcast. It's available on all the um, posting platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, so you can look up that To The Valley Podcast and that, on that podcast, I discuss very emotional things. I could tell you now I am. I even as, as I record these episodes to, to post them, yeah. it's like I'm going through, I'm now going through the, the healing process all over again because writing is one thing, but when you vocalize it, yeah. you have a different connection. So I'm now able to audibly express, you know, all those things that I've gone through. Um, so I invite, I invite you men, especially, to search the podcast through the valley podcast um i'm on instagram through underscore the valley podcast so on facebook through the valley podcast or you can look up my social media handles akimo davis on all your social media platforms facebook instagram um, linkedin 
and mm -hmm. you would have access to the podcast here. So I hope that through the podcast, I'm able to expand more on what we discussed here, um, because that's the aim of it. I, I really hope that you have an episode with either with yourself and some other men on the panel, and you all discuss this topic a little more in depth. So again, I want to thank you so much for being here with me today, and I wish you all God's blessings, peace, and grace with everything that you're doing. And even as you go through the podcast, it may be bringing up some memories and some emotions that you may have put aside as a man. But I pray that God will guide you and be there with you on this journey. So all the best, Akino. And I thank you so much. I just want to tell you that I recorded five episodes and I've cried on all five. Okay. <laughs> so it, it is... It is um, bringing back up those berries. But thank you so much for having me. No problem. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to us having another conversation again. Sure, we'll definitely keep in touch. So take care, guys. Bye, Kino. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Through the Valley Podcast. I hope what was shared was insightful and impacting on you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast. And if you have a story to share, or you know someone who does, send me an email to akino through the valley at gmail.com. See you in the next show. Bye bye.